Hello everyone, I'm Matt Berry. This is the first episode of a series of conversations with Jean-Michel Jarre at his studio in Paris. Today, we'll be talking about the early years. So let's let's go right back to when would you say that you realized that uh, that music was important to you? Music has always been part of my environment and I've been really lucky not and funnily enough a lot of people are thinking that it's because of my dad because my my dad being a, a composer but my, my parents split up when I was five years old and I, I and then I grew up really far away from, from uh, his influence. He was in Hollywood and I was in, in Paris. And it's more more my mom who took care of me and uh, probably also gave me uh, the first uh, connections with, uh, with music. And uh, I mean, the first, uh, I remember that we had uh, the old, old 78s records at home I mean left by my dad when he, he left and these collections were I mean, probably was coming from when he was himself a teenager or something yeah and then uh, I had uh, this contact with uh, classical music the first music I remember is the Rite of Spring by Stravinsky and I was scared by that because I was uh, I don't know four or five years five six years old and it was quite a very strong piece of music and it it then because of that is probably what my favorite piece of classical music and also some different things from uh, early Italian music and the, the early Italian songs and also Um Kalsum was you had some uh, recording from Um Kalsum this um, Arabic singer and then uh, I started to start study piano but I would say that my real connection with music is more through sounds and I realized that recently yeah, uh, I'm born in Lyon, and my even if I was living in Paris with my mom, all my holidays I was going to Lyon with my at my grandparents' place, and my grandparents were living in front of the main railway station called the Gare de Perrache. It's a, the, the main rail, railway station in Lyon. Between the railway station and and uh, their apartment, you had this big square where you had a circus coming regularly. Right. And when I was going there for summer holidays, and there it was very quite hot, the w windows were open, and I was, I mean, the, the sound of, uh, the sounds going from this um, window was very special. It was a mixture of the sound of the circus, you know, when you hear kind of muffled type of sounds of what's, what's going on un under the, this big uh, chapiteau, this big tent. Yeah. And, and also... Downstairs, you had uh, the big cafes that you have most of the time in front of the stations, full of uh, soldiers and whores, uh, until, of course, very late at night. Yeah. And this m very strange mixture of sounds, I mean, for me, was like a kind of music. Yeah. In my, and uh, that was probably my, my first um, conscious contact with uh, what sounds are about. 
And also my, my grandfather who, who used to be a, a quite interesting character because he was a, an engineer, but he was an inventor. He created one of the first mixing desks before the war. He did also uh, the grandfather of the iPod with what the kind of first portable uh, turntable. All right. And, uh, and, and then he was also playing the oboe. So, I mean, his atelier was like a dream zone. In yeah, a sense. yeah. And, uh, and, and then he was uh, dealing also with, uh, lots of, um, sounds. And that's my, that, that's probably my, my, my contact with music is probably why. And I, I really realized that recently because it's probably why I've, I've been interested by later on Pierre Schaeffer and, and, and exploring sounds and, and going, I mean, exploring music through sounds rather than uh, just with a piece of paper and uh, yeah. and score. Sort of natural sounds then. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, Raw sounds yeah. to, and to process them. And then when when my grandpa, uh, grandfather gave me my first uh, tape recorder, it was a German Grundig uh, yeah. type of half-inch tape uh, recorder. And, and uh, <clears throat> I, was, I used to process that by... My, um, I made a mistake by playing the, the tape reverse and suddenly I, I was pro- processing sounds. Even in, in my early days when I started to play as a kid in, in rock, uh, some local rock bands, I was used to processing sounds. So it was really my, my real contact with music is, I would say, is also very, very close to my approach to sounds in, in general. Yeah, because... It's very similar to Ennio Morricone, who I know that you're a fan of. Yes, of course. Where you see the early interviews of him, and he says that the biggest kind of thrill that he had was bringing typewriters and these kind of and two bits of wood, you know, within the orchestra. So the sort of natural sound thing is what got you excited, would you say? And then that could be applied to more sort of conventional music. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, talking about the new Morricone, I, I remember that... You know, you had something very, very popular in uh, avant-garde music, where you have this kind of what we call prepared piano. You know, yeah. where you have we put lots of crazy objects coins in and, the piano, coins yeah. and glass and uh, lots of things. Yeah. And actually, at my grandparents' home, uh, you had a piano that uh, my my father used to play when he was uh, still uh, at uh, his parents' home, and and probably also uh, some other members of the family, and. Uh, and this piano was not used anymore. And you had uh, some objects <laughs> inside that. I don't know my, my grandma and grandmother put and all that. And then I remember that I, I was playing as a young child, this piano with very strange sound because, because it's actually, it was a, a unconsciously prepared piano or yeah, un- yeah. unprepared piano. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was also prepared. something, yes, I, I mean, by accident. And that also gave me also the, the idea of uh, twisting and, uh, and twisting some, uh, some instruments. And it's, it's strange how, how things happen in, uh, as we know, it's, uh, it's almost uh, banal to say that, but it's, uh, I mean, life is made so much of accidents that being crucial in your evolution, or crucial in the direction you are going to, to take. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Know, and and that, that's, that's something which, uh, in my case, is absolutely uh, true. And the other thing also I remember that is this uh, story that you probably maybe heard about, about my, my, my first encounter with uh, Chet Baker. My, my mom was a great figure in the French Resistance, and, and uh, when she stayed at the, in a concentration camp, she became quite close to to a woman, she became one of her best friends after the war, and she had the, the most uh, the, the most popular jazz club, modern jazz club in Paris called the Chakipesh. 
Right. And uh, Rue de la Huchette in, in, in Saint-Germain-des-Prés, and where, where you had uh, lots of great jazzmen like uh, Chet Baker and uh, John Coltrane and Artie Chep, Charlie Chep and Don Cherry and people like this. Yeah. And I was like going with my mom visiting her, her friend and I was just hanging around and going down in the, in the club. And, and in the, uh, Sunday afternoon, I mean, just watching these, uh, these, these guys rehearsing, I had no idea about who they, who they were. And, uh, I remember that for my eighth birthday, I mean, Chet Baker sat me on the upright piano and he played the trumpet for me for five, five minutes. Mm. And I, I was so impressed, not because of Chet Baker, because I didn't know exactly, who, I mean, how great he was. Uh, but, but I, each time I remember this, I feel the air of the instruments on, on the, uh, on my chest. And this is one of the really very strong moments where I felt the physical uh, impact of sound on your body, which is not for lots of people, music. And at that moment, at that stage, in, in a, actually in European music, Uh, in, in Europe, music has always been uh, something quite intellectual or cerebral. Yeah. Uh, where you, you are writing some notes on a piece of paper and you, you, and you give this piece of paper to musicians to play the music you have in your mind. It's the most abstract, abstract yeah. act, uh, activity you can, uh, you can think about. And uh, suddenly I had this kind of direct physical experience with, uh, with music. Yeah. That's incredible that it would be Chet Baker because in the UK it would, For most people my age and sort of slightly older, they usually say top of the pops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Because there's a, a colourful program in your yeah. front room with someone or some people, you know, who, when you're small, look like they're from outer space. Do you know what I mean? With some sounds that you've never heard before. And people always, you know, people sort of tend to say in the UK that it's top of the pops. Yeah, that I, is I, the I thing that kind that. of first. Yeah, because it was on. It wasn't on late, so as a kid, you could actually, you know, sort of watch it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's probably coming from. Uh, I totally, I totally understand that. I, I, I know that. I would make a, the main difference between UK and France for the for that. I mean, in those days, and now it is it has changed. But historically, France always had had been more a, a country based on literature and movies yeah. and cinema. Yeah, and music. Is not secondary, but not not as it is in the UK. In the right. UK, where where it is the probably one of the most, if, if not the most important art form yeah. in the, in the pop world, and uh, we didn't have kind of pop of the pops. No. Or uh, then later on, or it was a very basic version or cheesy version of top of the pops. So yeah. I totally understand. I I'm, later on I did it a few times, top of the pops, and. Uh, And even, even the experience was like being out of space. The, the whole yeah. thing, I mean, suddenly being live on, on, on TV was something totally, yeah, to, to, totally crazy. And, and I agree that in, in, in this uh, little window that the, these TVs were with uh, the round screen, I mean, yeah. it was like a kind of uh, forbidden planet or, or Star Trek type Absolutely. of experience. I mean, yeah. something coming from the outside world. Yeah, uh, where here in in France you had to to find your own way to quest for music was something not not that uh, obvious. Yeah. But in my in my case, it, it it's just a matter of uh, circumstances. Uh, what I'm telling you is actually something which is very unusual. I mean, this kind of yeah. of, uh, of moments, and that 
of course, influenced me some, some way to go for electroacoustic music and electronic music later on, probably. Sure. What sort of came first for you? Would it have been the guitar or the tape recorder? And did you exchange one for the other? Actually, when I had this tape recorder, I was very, very interested to experiment with it without knowing what I was going to, to do. This is the, the proper meaning of experimentation. Yeah. And then when I started with uh, some of my uh, early rock bands, we were used to record, but also I, I used to process sounds of uh, guitar solo or things I was doing, uh, strange, strange noise, without knowing that... Uh, some people were doing this uh, more, of, of course, more professionally or more, more advanced. Later on, when I had this, um, so I had my, my guitar and my amp, and which is quite symbolic is actually, I decided to sell this uh, guitar, this amp, and also my small electric train. That was really something very <laughs> special. It was a German electric train that I had when I was a kid that my grandfather told me, and you know, he built that, you know, on the piece, piece of plywood, yeah. you know, with painted with fake trees and all that. So it, <laughs> it was like a treasure. So I sold this right. at the flea market in Paris, uh, and, and with my electric guitar, my amp to afford uh, a trip to London to buy my first synthesizer. Oh my God. So it was very, very symbolic of, of rejecting the, the establishment of rock to yeah. dive into, uh. Well, that's really important, music. isn't it? Yeah. It's so a, that was the EMS that you bought. That's in, right. In the, the one you, the, and it's over there. I can yes, see the, it. The one, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first one is still, it's, and it's still working. Yeah. Cause there's footage of you in a band playing the guitar that was used yes. in a film. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was the end of that for you. So you yeah, sold exactly. everything then yeah. and then... And then it went into the... So it was quite dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite a crucial decision. It, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, it was a crucial decision. It, it was, I was actually had no other choice. Right. Uh, financially speaking, it was not because I, do, I wanted, to get, wanted to get rid of my guitar. Because I loved it, I loved it, but I had no choice if I wanted to purchase this VCS3. This yeah, and your thinking was that that would be more exciting, and you could do more with that. So, say you know if that was the sort of equivalent of a sort of palette of colors, you thought there was exactly. more colors. Yeah, with uh, the EMS. Know, suddenly I, I realized that even if I always loved the guitar and uh, any kind of instruments, first of all I had no choice. But suddenly I realized that. Uh, the main difference for, for musicians is actually before electronic and electroacoustic uh, instrument and before synthesizers. I mean, you, you were just uh, dealing with uh, existing sounds or predetermined uh, sounds. I mean, uh, created by the craftsman. Yeah. I mean, this is so you could deal and doing wonderful things, of course, with the sound of a s clarinet, the sound of a violin, the sound of a, piano and then you put all this together for to make an orchestra and you can deal and create music based on this palette as you said palette of of colors yeah but with a synth suddenly you could be your own uh, your own craftsman you could actually create your own sounds and then these sounds will 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 help you to create your own music so actually you 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 you, you, you i was suddenly realizing that it was giving me such a freedom yeah and and something to explore that has what also in in those days were not explored yet yeah and it's a, i feel very privileged uh, in my in my life to have been able to be in in a certain period of time where i was um, allowed and i was um, 
yeah, it was it was suddenly possible, and I, I had the opportunity to to open doors on virgin territories, and and because you, I was I had the feeling that what I was doing, nobody did it before. Yeah, sure. Or just a bunch of of kids, but it, so that that's something quite rare in uh, in uh, even in history of uh, uh, art to be just at a moment where just pe- things are, are shifting. Yeah. And and yet you, and and that that's the beginning of, of of this kind of technology. I mean, just uh, uh, gave us gave, all all of also the generations coming just after me. Also, I mean, gave us so much, so many possibilities. And and uh, it's like when uh, like the, the the beginning of <clears throat> of cinema as an art form. So it's, it's, it was allowing. And I think that the first actors or the first directors, I mean, dealing with a, a new technology. It should have been also unbelievable. So it was a little bit like this kind of exciting, yeah. this, 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 this kind of exciting moment and, and uh, really like a, a dream, unexpected dream. Yeah, sure. Through. And it's important or it's interesting that it was the EMS that you chose because for those who don't know, I suppose, that is a piece of equipment with no keyboard. Yeah. That's the one that you first bought. That's right, exactly. Where you can make white noise as well as you can kind of control sound, you know, and make sort of sound effects and things. So that really is a piece of equipment for ideas as opposed to exactly something which you can make a string sound on or, you know, an oboe sound, for instance. So I, I totally agree. This is the pure why he is, it's still my, my favorite instrument because, as you said very truly, I mean, then you could add a keyboard later on, but the whole philosophy and the whole approach of this instrument is actually to make sounds, yeah. not to make music. Yeah. And then it's the opposite of the DX7. Yeah. I really hated the DX7. I know that uh, uh, it's probably the favorite, uh, if Bryony knows favorite instrument, but uh, for me, I, I... Well, it's the best selling. It doesn't mean it's the best. Uh, yeah, and also because... I think that uh, electronic music always carried its own bags of paradoxes. Yeah. The first paradox and, and was the uh, switch on bar from Walter Carlos. Yeah. Where it became an instant hit, but it was very, in a sense, quite negative for the idea of electronic music for 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 everybody. That suddenly the synthesizer could be a fake electric machine to 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 imitate orchestral sounds yeah which is of course not that and it's nothing to do with the extraordinary talent of uh, walter wendy carlos sure uh, so that's one one thing the, the second thing is actually even now lots of people are thinking that the synthesizer is actually uh, you can just uh, push a preset and you can have the sound of a violin and uh, oboe clarinet and all that it's that's not particularly interesting because if you want the sound of the oboe just use an oboe use, use an oboe yeah and uh, uh, and then the second thing is also with um, Kraftwerk uh, and all the ger- German uh, colleagues I mean just having this kind of uh, very um, doing the apology of machines and, and presenting electronic instruments for doing a robotic and cold kind of uh, approach of uh, of music and then that also uh, put the synthesizers and, and the, the electronic uh, instruments in this category of no soul. Yeah. Uh, think something that is cold and, and not being really considered as an instrument. I'm, I'm talking about the early days, even, sure. of course, if people that's just as Kraftwerk and Tangerine Dream, I mean, Tangerine Dream was even leaving the stage at the end of their concert just to make the statement that actually machines were able to do music on their own. Yeah. 
So this approach also created another layer of um, misunderstanding with uh, what the electronic instruments, electronic synthesizer is all about. And as you said very truly, it's uh, it's actually, and the VCS3 and the AMS philosophy is exactly based on that. I mean, the idea that you can approach music through sounds first, rather than through solfeggio or, or notes based on, on any kind of uh, classical system, which is, of course, very valuable and exciting, but it's it's a totally different approach. Absolutely, yeah. It's interesting that you mention Eno, because Eno in a way was doing a fairly similar thing in the UK with Roxy Music in that he was sort of hired as a keyboard player. He didn't play the keyboards, he played the VCS. He just made sort of, you know, made noises and used a tape recorder. I mean, he even says that the the, the tape recorder is his main instrument. Yeah. Even now. He he started really as a rock artist, as lots of us started. And then he went into this... I never talked about this uh, with with him, but uh, it seems that uh, he shifted yeah. uh, to uh, electronic music uh, later on. Like like actually, uh, uh, lots of uh, British act or British people they uh, shifting uh, step by step. Where in France and in Germany, it was probably more part of our roots because of of uh, the heritage of classical music, as we know. I mean the core of classical music even if you if uh, you have brilliant composers in the, in the in, in the UK i mean but the, the classical music is really originally coming from from germany and france italy and actually the concept of electroacoustic music and electronic music is coming from continental europe yeah. then it has been shifted on uh, on uh, with the synth pop and new wave in the, the early 80s Having said that, it's uh, uh, of course not only entirely true because you you have lots of um, of course the BBC uh, uh, lab radiophonic workshop important yes of course yeah um, that that's very important and and just one one quick thing about that I mean we all for electronic musicians uh, we we owe a lot to uh, public radio stations yeah because without them. Stockhausen wouldn't be what he has done. Pierre Schaeffer, Pierre Henri, and myself, we, we could, we couldn't have done what we, we've done without public radio and the studio by hijacking. I mean, the first electronic instruments before AMS and the VCS3 and all this, they are actually instruments for uh, maintenance for public radio that we, we hijacked to, yeah. to, to make some noise with uh, uh, just filters and oscillators, not at all made for, for doing music. Yeah. That's what we owe a lot to public radio stations in Europe, all over Europe. Yeah. And the BBC, uh, of course, the BBC Lab, the, the same, same thing. Sure. Because there's, do you know the Doctor Who theme? Yeah, sure. So that's Delia Darba. She, she's, as far as I know, she's using oscillators for that main. Yes, of course. Yeah. Which were not obviously intended to be making. Yeah, exactly. Theme tunes for pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one one of my favorite uh, albums of the sixties of electronic music in the UK is White Noise, right? With uh, David Vorhaus, and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's still for me one of the huge masterpiece of. Uh, no, it's brilliant. Of electronic music, yes. Yeah, because he's most famous for doing. He did some library music, which Andrex Toilet Paper picked up on. And there was an advert. It's called the Sea of Tranquility, I think. Oh yes, exactly. It's a beautiful, yeah, yeah, fantastic, yeah. But we just know it as this, yeah, <laughs> this toilet paper commercial in the UK, <laughs> and it's such an insult to him because it's a fantastic bit of music. But you know, it just because with library music, as you know, anyone can just pick things, yeah. you know, to use for anything, and that's what happened to him with that. It's always made me laugh because everything that he did was very high quality, you know, and was really different, yeah, sounding, you know, yeah. But you know, 
it's also uh, the idea that electronic music being so underground and and then that it was used uh, the the only i mean advertising commercials were probably the only way to 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 get it out to get it yes exactly yeah so i mean you have so many people who have done who have done that i've done i've done that also in in my early days i mean doing uh, some commercials and it was because probably the people in the uh, advertising uh, business always wanting something different yeah where probably the most people uh, ironically ready to have a different approach yeah something interesting about you is what you did next were, were those were those short electronic pieces the difference between that and what you ended up doing next was they all had names so you gave all of those pieces Iranian hitchhiker and something frog and all these quite <laughs> yeah to be crazy uh, yeah yeah so yeah. you kind of named them all and was that more of a sort of a demonstration of what this stuff could do or what were you what were you thinking of no, actually because it's very and actually it's interesting this question coming after after just the the conversation we had about the commercial because I've been asked by uh, the fox in america yeah. to do a kind of uh, series of uh, short pieces of music for actually like music library or commercials or soundtracks right. of that and then i have it was in 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 days where i was very uh, very interested in uh, surrealism and all this kind of uh, oxymoron approach of uh, in literature and yeah. ideas and all that i said okay i'm going to do in a sense, like uh, Eric Satie, where, you, where, where he, he was doing rather serious music, but with crazy names, yeah. you know, uh, three pieces with uh, in, in the shape of an apple or something like this, you know, and, and crazy. And I said it could be fun to do that with uh, with so so extreme different sounds and 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 having totally crazy titles. So I, yeah. I did that as a not as a joke, but as as a concept in itself. Yeah. And then you abandon that. Yeah. There are exceptions. I mean, you have on Equinox, there's Band in the Rain, and then on. But it came. It came later on. Band right. in the Rain came. This title came in the concerts of China, in a concert in China album, where where I played that on its own, and I it was but originally and even in Equinox is still part part of part eight. It was, was a bit, a bit yeah. of a mistake for me because it was actually this part was I mean, was composed of two different. Subparts. Sure. And that, that's. Uh, and was that a conscious decision of, of yours not to do that for Oxygen and for Equinox and, f- from then on. And yes, exactly. Uh, I think that, uh, it's it's funny because the my my next album, a new album, is actually I I decided later on to put some titles again, but it right. was it was very a bit difficult for me. But I I find a twist. I will tell you more about that later yeah. on. But actually, the idea was actually I always thought. The reason why that uh, we in deserted palace, so, so palace, these these kind of crazy titles, because I always thought that for an instrumental piece of music, it's sometimes a bit artificial. Say, so, okay, I'm going to to you to call this monolith forty one, or, or so what what does it mean with the music? And and then uh, if you have no lyrics, the lyrics most of the time are justifying the title. Yeah, but if, in an instrumental music. You can describe the mood, yes, but uh, then, then it's the mood for me was the uh, always been the the main title, like a book. Yeah, you don't necessarily call the 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 chapter each chapter of the book you're writing. So I I really conceive these albums like a, like one track 
with different movements or with different parts. And, and this is the reason why I said it, it's, it was maybe not particularly commercial to think about that because people are, spend a lot of time mixing the part four, five, six, seven. But I really didn't care. I think that it, it was really making also a, the statement that it was something that you had to listen to uh, in its entirety or, or choosing some parts, like in classical music, you choose, choose a part. But actually, classical music is probably a, an unconscious also uh, influence from, from classical music where you have, I don't know, in a symphony or concerto, you have different parts, but not, not necessarily with titles. Yeah. Yeah, because Mike Oldfield, before you, just before you, obviously had tubular bells. Yeah, he did the same. Part one and part two. Yeah. And when you listen to it, I mean, you could sort of carve that up into yeah. three or four parts and kind of title them, but he decided not as well as it, to have it as a long form yeah. on each side, which is an interesting and quite risky thing to do. It was, to it was totally risky. I mean, for, for him, like for, for me, where, where those two albums are like, like UFOs, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, Oxygen has been released just in the middle of punk. Where yeah, the, the motto was no future. At Oxygen, I would say it would be yes, future question mark well, with the cover and all that. It was not, definitely not a no future. Yeah. yeah. And electronic music being also linked with sci-fi and a kind of uh, Romanesque type of, of vision of the, of the future was certainly not linked to a no future. Yeah. Okay. So this next period of time, there's hardly any information about and you've not really talked about so from the end of those lacage and those um instrumental albums until you until you're preparing for oxygen what were you doing so so that's from i don't know yes 70, 72 uh, to 76 yeah I, when i finished the my uh studies with uh, Schaeffer at the music research center yeah i did the uh, actually experimented different things the first uh, music I composed for the outside world was actually for the f uh, French Opera House for a ballet. It was a big privilege, uh, again, a fantastic opportunity because a, a young choreographer worked in the uh, Festival d'Avignon, the th festival of uh, theatre, and he did a small ballet and I, I was involved for the music for that. And then he got commissioned for the French uh, Opera House for creating a, a big ballet and then he asked me to do the music and then it was the first time that electronic music or electroacoustic music w would be go would be played in the French Opera House so it was been quite an experience and then I discovered more the, the world of uh, pop music or, or rock music system with the big studios and for me, that was like a dream because my knowledge about studio was the, where the studio of uh, public radio where you were all in mono and multi sources. Yeah. And the whole philosophy of uh, electroacoustic music in those days were to be in mono, but with multi mono instead of stereo. So I really discovered not stereo as a, for, for, for album, but the, the way the, stu the stereo st studios in stereo were with when I came into this kind of, um, private studios from owning from to, to EMI to uh, public, uh, private, uh, companies. And then I've been quite blown away to, to experiment this. And then I, I, I started to produce some singers from French pop singers. I wrote, uh, lots of songs, music, lyrics, uh, and producing also different, uh, artists. Christophe, uh, wasn't it? Christophe and also Patrick Juvet. Lots of, and, uh, very, uh, respected and, and successful artists in, in France. And, 
uh, we did together uh, big national hits. And then I, that gave me the, the opportunity to, to, to go to Los Angeles to produce some albums for these uh, French artists and with Herbie Hancock's musicians and people such as Ray Parker and, and then experimenting also the work, the work in studio and learning how to produce an album. I, right, I, I, okay. these, these three, four years, I mean, I've been very busy by, by actually doing this kind of uh, pop rock albums. But I always had in the back of my mind that this, uh, it was in a way period of experimentation for something else. I didn't know exactly what, but I had this always recurrent idea of, of um, trying to create a bridge between experimentation and, and, and pop or rock music. That is something that I was continuing to do with some uh, instrumental singles I released and, and, uh, and quite successful in France, but also something totally, some recordings or uh, EP or LP, totally obscure and where we sold probably a hundred copies, which is still a number, which is a number today, but yeah. not at that time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, respectable number today, but not at that time. And then I, I did oxygen really in my, uh, in my kitchen, in my, in my, uh, we will talk about that, but actually something that was absolutely out of my regular activity at that time. It was because I was really producing lots of other things at the same time. So, yeah, so from, because I've listened to the Crystal film, I can hear you playing the organ on that. I can hear, it sounds like the you. Eminent, yes. I yeah. mean, you see uh, Les Mots Bleus, which is one, one of the best, uh, one of the most uh, uh, popular songs of, uh, of Christophe we did together. And you hear Oxygen, you can see uh, I know. Like a kind of uh, yeah. uh, sound, the sound of the Eminent. That's is, it. Is there. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you look for that, yeah, that is a massive clue as to what you're about to do. Yeah, and it's very interesting you are mentioning that because nobody knows that actually I, I used also a bit of Mellotron in, this, uh, in these albums and uh, it was uh, belonging to one of the musicians that I, and then I got this back, but this Mellotron was broken, so lots of keys were not working right. anymore. And then the Mellotron being quite important in Oxygen yeah. is based on the only notes I could play on this Mellotron because the, the rest of the keys were not, were not working. So for the part involving Mellotron, I, I, I choose the right, uh, uh, the right pitch and, and the right uh, harmonies to be able to play the, this uh, broken Mellotron. So it's, it's oh, quite okay. fun. There is a link with these sessions where I mean, this Mellotron has been destroyed in the studio for, it was quite okay at the beginning of the, because we, it was in days where we, we were spending months in studios for this kind of uh, pop albums. Like, because uh, I was very influenced in those days by, in this period, by all the, uh, the, the concept albums from the UK, like the, like the uh, early uh, Procol Harum, uh, like uh, Grand Hotel or, or the King Crimson and all these kind of, uh, I mean, Albums just not being a series of songs, but ju just having a bigger ambition to try to do something uh, which could be, which could have a, a kind of overall meaning or the, uh, the, during the whole album. So I, I think that I really injected that in, in France and that we through these kind of albums. Yeah. So we were spending actually months in studios. I mean, three, four months in studios, lockout, and then 
I mean, some, and this Mellotron was quite okay at the beginning of these sessions. And I don't know what happened, but it was totally broken at, at the end of it. And then I, I took it back and that, that's, uh, uh, and it's, you know, it's a very so good C lesson. worked and every key within C. Yeah, that's it would right. Be, wouldn't yeah, it? that's yeah. right. It's just the third I could, I could play. It's just uh, <laughs> some of them and, and, and it was really strange. And then I have to deal with that. And it's a very good example of, how limitations in, in, in any kind of art form, how important it yeah, is. Yeah. And I'm convinced that the more limitations you have, the more interesting the result could be. And, and the Absolutely. big trap these days is actually technology makes you believe that you can do everything. Yeah. And then it's giving you in, into a kind of a black hole or, or, or vertigo feeling about the fact that you, you say, Oh my God, what, what, what can I do with this? And, yeah. uh, and, and then we, when you have just a, a poor instruments with, <laughs> broken keys you have to deal with this and then and then creating something by by a sense different yeah 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 thank you for listening we'll be back in the studio with jean-michel jean next week for another episode